Before we start today's show, let me remind you about our patron program. If you enjoy the program, you'll continue to get it for free on your provider. However, if you're so inclined and you're up to it to, to leave a tip in the tip jar, as it were, uh, you can do that by becoming a patron of the show. There are three levels, three different amounts, with uh, different bonuses depending on the amount that you contribute on a monthly basis. It'll give you additional access to the show, as well as input into the program as well. Check it out at patreon.com slash what's the score. That's patreon.com slash what's the score, all one word, patreon.com. Today's program made possible by patrons like you. Welcome to where we celebrate music from the movies. From the golden age to present day, we've got it covered. We talk to those from the industry and learn about them and their favorite scores. Welcome to What's the Score? I'm your host, Frank R. Wilson. So let's take a look at the shelf of CDs and see what we're going to play today. Recognize that music? It's a favorite of our guest today. His career in the early years uh, kept him on the move, living in diverse places such as London, New York City, and Washington, D.C., where he was an accomplished portrait photographer. Now living in Los Angeles, where he is a successful real estate agent. But the reason that he's with us today concerns uh, not his work, but the fact that he's a podcaster and a host of a a very, very popular program uh, about film music on the station called James Bond Radio, and that's how we got to know each other. He's uh, very knowledgeable about film music outside of the world of James Bond as well, and because of that, I thought he'd make a terrific guest. Now, if you think this is going to be a James Bond or a John Barry love fest, I'm sorry to disappoint you. It won't, because you'll find that our guest has really chosen a wide variety of selections for your pleasure. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, I hope all of you then will uh, join me in welcoming John Williams to the program. Hi, John. Hello, Frank. Uh, oh, hold it, hold, 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 hold. You don't, you don't sound like the. Hold it. I was told that John Williams, <laughs> the composer, was going to be on. I know, I know. I I'm, thought. I'm sure I, you're tired of that. <laughs> no, I think, I think I always wanted to start a podcast and call it John Williams on John Williams, <laughs> and just to see how many people found me. You know. <laughs> so anyway, I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. Uh, welcome to the program, John. Thank you so much, Frank. It's it's an absolute pleasure and honor to be here. I'm a, a big fan of your show, and and you're doing you're doing the Lord's work. Oh, thank you. I, I, that means a great deal coming from a pro like yourself. So I, I do. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, as we do with all of our guests, I, I like to get a chance to to know them outside of film music and those sorts of things. I was wondering if you 
could take a few minutes and maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you grew up, family, uh, things, you know, outside of film music or what we're going to talk about today and just give us a sense of uh, your journey and where you've been. Absolutely. I uh, I came into this world in, in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, and, hmm. and then uh, uh, mom and dad were high school sweethearts and uh, he was in the Air Force and moved back to North Carolina where they were from. Raised by their parents, grandparents, so, uh, you know, which means I was spoiled rotten. <laughs> <laughs> Love grandparents, you know, they're the best. And oh, yeah. um, and uh, then just started, you know, lived in, went to school in Virginia, Massachusetts, back to North Carolina, South Carolina, but ultimately went to university in London. Then I moved to New York City and then lived there for a bit and then down to D.C. and then moved out to Los Angeles just about 20 years ago to the day. And, um, you know, I just I have a thing for uh, palm trees and property tax. <laughs> so <laughs> you can the imagine right place I'm, for that. Exactly. I'm at home here in, in the City of Angels. Well, that's terrific. It, um, it One of the things that I want, want to learn about in your journey is uh, some of the things you mentioned, places you live and that sort of stuff. So we'll, we'll certainly get into that as time moves along. I'm a uh, one of the questions I was going to ask, so you already answered it in a way, but I'm, I'll ask it anyway, and that was what took you to London. So you went to, you went to university or college in London. What, what, why? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I just, my mother, uh, I was blessed with, you know, raised by pretty much by a single mom, and she owned a travel agency. So, at a very early age, I got to travel and quickly oh, wow. realized the benefit of travel. I mean, I think it was Thomas Jefferson who said, uh, don't tell me what you do, tell me where you've been. Mm. And um, um, I just, I really enjoyed travel and culture and how other people lived and got a few, a year or two into university in North Carolina and thought, if this is the rest of my life, I'm going to go crazy <laughs> and decided to go abroad and liked it so much that I stayed. Uh, you know, was in central London in the mid 90s. And during that time, uh, London, England was having a, a huge renaissance with uh, music and film and fashion, um, art. Uh, it was really an exciting place to be. Cool Britannica, uh, Britpop, uh, Damien Hirst, train spotting. I mean, wow. musically, yeah. it was an amazing period. So um, I've actually purposely chosen a few cuts of films that I saw while I was there that had a tremendous impact on me. So, you know, I, I love to be the minority, and um, I think it's an exciting place to be. And I got a little taste of that, and, you know, North Carolina was never the same. You know, so. it, and it, it's interesting because uh, some of my listeners will know that I, I lived overseas for a while in Asia for four years. And you, you said a statement that I thought was uh, very telling. You enjoyed or uh, experiencing being in the minority. Mm. And that's really unusual, isn't it? I mean, I, for the first time in my life, I was a minority and it was it was it was unusual. It wasn't bad. Yeah. It just was kind of strange. You know, it gave me a whole different perspective. Yeah, I think it's important to, you know, what travel ultimately does, especially living abroad like yourself, it it helps you confront your preconceived notion of how mm. things are. And mm -hmm. I'm convinced that nine times out of 10, if we were to go where, you know, go to wherever we thought we had an idea of what it was like, our opinion probably would change. Um, and I think that's very important. I think it's tolerance, right? That's perhaps what we're talking about. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah. You know, and I think it, in my opinion, it makes us better people. And part of that experience culturally is for me outside of number one being food is <laughs> uh, is music. You know, I'm always fascinated by 
if I go to Thailand, let's say, I'll always ask who's the who's the Frank Sinatra of Thailand. Oh wow! Like, you know, I want to know. That's my that's my go to question whenever I'm in a foreign country. Who's your oh, Frank Sinatra? Uh, well, um, I tell you, since and we'll probably explore some of that as we go along. But um, since you brought up music, maybe we can get started with that. You you've chosen a really terrific, diverse list of uh, of cues and different types of composers. So I'm very excited to to be exploring this today with you. First one we were going to play uh, is from the film Born Identity. Uh, cue, I believe, is called Goa, and it's uh, the composer is John Powell. Uh, tell us a little bit about why you uh, decided to choose that one as amongst your favorites. Well, you know, that's obviously something on James Bond radio that can't be discussed. <laughs> you know, J- Jason Bourne. Oh, I, yeah. I really, you know, I, one, I'm a fan of those films, and I'm a fan of John Powell. And, you know, now you hear that music, and it's just, it's, you know, it's instantaneous. It's recognizable. But I remember being in the theater and thinking, wow, this this music is not like any kind of action score I've ever heard before. The way the real haunting strings and the the, the stabs of percussion really I, I was taken back by it. Um, um, I, I, I thought it was unique and it was fresh and it's something that I haven't heard. And I've always enjoyed those, those soundtracks. And I think from a, a, a film and a score standpoint, I think that the Born Supremacy is is John Powell's uh, apex moment. Wow! Uh, and I like this track. It's the opening track of the film, and it's got you know some of the Born theme in there, but it also has uh, the the love theme between Jason and Maria. Okay. So I'm I'm a fan of this one for sure. Well, let's have a let's have a listen. This again is from the film Born Identity, and it's written by. John Powell.
So what was it that um, what was it that that sparked your interest in film music? I mean, you know, I've always felt like an outsider because you know until recently, in the last 10, 20 years, I found out there were other people that were geeks like me and liked film music. But I mean, did was there a certain event or a certain thing that happened that uh, sparked your interest in film music? It, it's funny, Frank, you have literally stolen my line. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, again, only child raised by a single mother working multiple jobs uh, mm. in the in the 80s, you know, equals you live in the movie theater. That was a really big, special occasion to go to the movies. So one of the things my mom and I used to do is always go to the movies. Um, mm. And I fell in love with films. And I think a lot of only children disappeared into cinema. Uh, I was also right around the time that, you know, beta and VHS was hitting the market and my grandfather had uh, a Betamax that allowed me to record this new thing called HBO. Mm. Um, so I just fell in love with movies, but it, it, it really, I wanted to sort of almost own part of the movie and, you know, the music was a way you could stay connected with the film. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, the first soundtrack I ever got on vinyl, which had to be special ordered, uh, was probably my favorite film of all time, was Escape from New York by mm -hmm. John Carpenter Film. Mm -hmm. and his music, this electronic music, like up until that point, it had been Grease, you know, and so it really captivated <laughs> my imagination. And I remember playing it at my grandparents and my grandmother raced in the room and looked at me and said, is that all it is? <laughs> in, in terms of the electronic, you know, uh, uh, repetitive nature of electronic music. Right. And I remember it was almost like when someone first heard the Sex Pistols or the Ramones, it was almost like a punk rock moment where I was like, well, this is, you know, this is uh, a freedom. This is, you know, um, um, you know, uh, uh, my, my, the music that I'm going to combat the older generation with. So um, <laughs> it was really uh, you know, being an only child, wanting an, a, a, a piece of the movie and, and uh, you know, my grandmother's reaction to it. <laughs> well, um, as I've reminded a lot of people that are not, and I have no idea how old you are, but I was, obviously you're old enough to kind of remember life before um, the Internet and all those sorts of things. As I've reminded a lot of people that, that before you could just pop in a DVD or turn on HBO, there was a time when you didn't have those options and the only way to relive the movie it was either, you know, if it was based on a novel, you could read that or you could listen to the soundtrack. And so yeah. that was it was very powerful. You know, now if I want to hear the soundtrack, I'll just pop the movie in. And so it's it's kind of interesting how, how it's changed like that. And so, yeah, I loved your phrase. I wanted to own a part of that movie. So that yeah, was, I, in those days, that was the only way you could really. It, it was that. And I collected uh, posters. I always love film oh. posters. Um, mm -hmm. And those were the two things I collected. You know, and to your point, I remember with with. Escape from New York, literally holding my tape recorder, big gigantic tape recorder, uh, to the television speaker and mm. recorded recorded the actual dialogue and the music and all that. And I, I listened to it nonstop. I must I almost need to apologize to my grandmother, um, rightfully so. Drove her <laughs> drove her crazy. <laughs> you mean I'm not the only one that did that? I held up a microphone to the speaker and re right? recorded. Oh, unbelievable! And that's so that's yeah. And that's you when you said you know you thought you were the only one. Honestly. Frank, I thought something was wrong with me. I wasn't like the other <laughs> kids because I loved this soundtrack music. Then when I moved away and to London, New York, but especially 
to here to, to Los Angeles, um, you know, you go to the revival cinemas and if there was a screening of escape from New York, it would be packed and it's millennials. And it just warms my heart to see, you know, generations connecting with what it is I thought at the time made me weird when I was much younger. So <laughs> it's, it's wonderful that there's been this resurgence of love and appreciation for film score music. Yeah, and you know you've you've done such a great job of explaining how your love affair started. Maybe that's the the cue that we're going to uh, to play now because no surprise to me and certainly to our listeners at this point, one of your favorites is from that film. Absolutely. Uh, t- tell us a little bit about uh, why you chose uh, this particular cue from uh, from the film Escape from New York. Oh, it just I mean I'm 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 grinning right now talking about it. It just <laughs> it's just it's you know I think most kids my age were probably humming the Superman theme. Um and um I'm 48 so I was you know I don't know 12 or something or not not wasn't that old it was like 10 10 maybe 9 8 something like that when it came out and you know while everyone wanted to be Han Solo I wanted to be Snake Pluskin. <laughs> and uh, and to be honest with you, some days I still do. But I just I, I loved I loved uh, the anti-hero, you know, Clint Eastwood and Pale Rider, Kurt Russell of Snake Pluskin. I mean, these were the things I was watching. Might have been a little inappropriate, to be honest with you. While I think most of my peer group wanted to be Spider-Man, <laughs> you know, um, so I just love this theme. And it just is like the anti-hero theme. I think it's so cool. Is this um, the opening of the film? Then, it Hillary? is. It's the opening. Opening of the oh, film. I love it. And, you know, John Carpenter writing his own music for all his films. I mean, it's just endless. It's an endless treasure of fantastic music. Yeah, it's yeah, I, I share your love affair of, of the film and also the score. And it's funny, Adam, the first season of this show was and this was before I had guests on. I would just play some of my favorites and I played this one. So I'm anxious oh. to hear it again. And I think our audience will enjoy it. So this is the, the main theme from the film called Escape from New York. And it's written by John Carpenter.
So when I introduced you, we mentioned that you had spent some time being a, a portrait photographer. Tell me a little bit about that. How did, how did that fall into your lap, so to speak? And uh, is there a reason why you got into it and, and also a reason why you got out of it? Oh, yeah, that's a big question. Deserves a big answer. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, my whole life I wanted to create. You know, I knew that there was something inside of me that wanted to create, uh, dare I say, be an artist of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was never encouraged by anyone, in, in, including above all myself, to pursue that. I never stuck with anything. And um, when I moved to Hollywood, I, I accidentally started acting or got into some acting jobs as a result, believe it or not, of having a vintage car and uh, had a little bit of experience with that, which was incredibly rewarding. But uh, I picked up the camera and I started, you know, just taking portraits of friends and people started paying me for it. And then I opened my own studio on Sunset. And, you know, I what I quickly realized is, is, you know, the collaboration of hair, makeup, wardrobe, meeting the client, working with the agencies with, you know, taking into account their vision and creating a commercial piece of art that someone responded to positively and paid me uh, really scratched that itch, that creative itch. And I did it for a long time and absolutely loved it. Um, Frank, I know you as an actor, uh, you can appreciate that everyone in this town needs a photo. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, everyone, uh, you know, uh, everyone. So, uh, you know, I had a beautiful daylight studio on Sunset Boulevard and for about eight years, it was Camelot, really enjoyed it. Mm. Um, and then it became work mm. <laughs> and, uh, as most you know, things do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's so true. And I think it was Neil Young said, once the, the muse leaves the room, I'm out of here. And that's kind of <laughs> how I felt about mm. it. But uh, so no regrets that you ended up leaving it behind? No, no, not at all. I mean, you know, I learned something about um, uh, being an entrepreneur. I mean, you know, Mm. uh, contacting agencies. Hey, send me one person that should be going out that's not based on photos. I'll take the photo. If they do go out, I'm your new guy. You know, I mean, it's you can apply that to any business, widgets, real estate, um, learning how to just build a business. And I think no matter what you do in life to create something from nothing and again, have someone respond to it positively and pay you is a wonderful feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So you were doing, uh, this wasn't like just for your average Joe, you were, I guess you were doing headshots for actors and uh, yeah, performers, uh, things like that. Huh? Head, headshots paid the paid, you know, for the property. You know, um, yeah. um, yeah, no, but a lot of portrait work. I worked for the Hollywood reporter. Um, uh, I worked for uh, a music company, Gosh, who else? Um, a lot of obviously models, modeling, Zed cards, lifestyle, stuff like that. I did a, so, a, a lot of product for, for beauty products and stuff like that. Oh, okay, yeah. So, is there like one or two really super famous people that whose names we would recognize that maybe you uh, took a headshot of or worked yeah. with? Yes, I I just mentioned his name. Um, yeah, I had the pleasure of shooting Neil Young and his oh, wife. Okay. Oh, wow. So that was a big one. Um, uh, yeah, um, it was, it was really exciting. And, and I, again, loved being part of that process and, um, you know, and then it just, it bled into real estate, which I love. I, you know, it's, it's my passion. I finally found the thing that doesn't feel like work. Good. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, that's you know? you're you're a lucky man when you can when you can find that. That's for sure. I, I think so. I think we should all be so lucky at any age to find something that, that we're so passionate about. Um, um, but no, it was, you know, working in the industry as I'm sure, you know, uh, when it's work, when it works, there's nothing better. Yeah. It's magic. Yeah. Um, you uh, mentioned in your, uh, in your introduction, as well as you've brought it up once too. I mean, it's, while it's not going to be a love fest for, for James Bond today, we couldn't ignore it totally. And I know that there's a cue you chose from, uh, uh, I guess the latest film so far, cause we're still waiting for the new one. Uh, from Spectre, uh, written by Thomas Newman, and, and uh, help me out because my Spanish isn't yeah. that great. What, what's the uh, what's the cue called? Los Muertos Vivos Están, and I'm thrilled that I'm able to talk about Thomas Newman. I, I am, you know, as co-host of the Music of Bond, uh, I am in the minority. Speaking of minority, <laughs> <laughs> um, I am in the minority on Thomas Newman, but I really, really love the Skyfall and Spectre soundtrack. And it's one of my favorite things to do on the show is to get listeners talking about it because I know the conversation will get interesting, very interesting, very quick. But I really believe that the atmospheric nature of Thomas Newman's scores lend themselves beautifully to the you know, brutish nature of Daniel Craig. Um, I think there's something incredibly haunted. Now, is is it John Barry? No, it will never be. It will never have that lyrical flavor. I mean, nobody can do uh, what John Barry did. So, but I really love these soundtracks. And I always encourage people, you know, who just immediately dismiss it, please give it more time. Keep listening to it. Keep listening to it. Um, so I had to pick a track from one of those two scores. And I love the opening of Spectre. I think, you know, weaving it the way he weaves in the Bond theme and the mm. whole Mexico City Day of the Dead setup, I think is fabulous. As the Bond theme kicks in and he's walking along the ledge of the buildings while the Day of the Dead festival goes on below him, I think this is a great track and I encourage everyone to turn up the volume. And it's uh, it's amazing uh, that one shot, you know, I mean, it just oh, a continuous one shot was Phenomenal. If you really haven't seen nice. it, you need to check it out. It's an amazing piece of filmmaking. Um, True. Let's, let's go ahead and have a look at this then. This is from the uh, film Spectre, uh, the James Bond film. It's from the very opening of the film, and it's written by Thomas Newman. Oh, 
Now, are, are you are you a musician by chance? Do you do you play an instrument? <laughs> Uh, I can strum a guitar badly. Um, um, I, I, here's this, I can, I can play just enough guitar to put a smile on a girl's face. How's that? That's important. <laughs> <laughs> Might be the only time I can do it, to be honest with you, Frank. <laughs> well, but you seem to have a, 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 you're able to communicate about music actually better than I can. A lot of times it's just, I like this cause I like it. You know, I can't, I can't explain the, you know, the, the technical aspects of why it is that I like it. And it sounds to me like you've educated yourself a little bit on that. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah. I had a, a, a an, an uncle, uncle Eric, who had to say he had a profound effect on my life. Uh, sonically is uh, the biggest understatement that I can ever make. He, he lived in New York and just at a very early age, turned me on to Coltrane, Dylan. Um, uh, took me to my first concert, David Bowie, you know, that was okay. a pretty interesting place to start, you know, your musical career. Um, um, and, and just, he plays guitar. And so he's, you know, through his love of music, it created a love of music for myself and, you know, the way people feel about cars or baseball, you know, uh, uh, I feel about music. Mm. So I think just you know, I had a curiosity and interest and, um, you know, if you looked at my bookshelf, you know, you're not going to see Chaucer, you're going to see cash by Johnny cash, you know, <laughs> um, nothing against Chaucer by the way. Right. Uh, so, you know, there's a, a huge jazz component, um, in New York city and him taking me to these jazz clubs and just, you know, turning me on to Van Morrison's astral weeks. I mean, that's, you know, a pretty amazing, again, place to start. So, um, you know, that led me down the rabbit hole of, of a lot of strings and a lot of sacks. <laughs> and be careful how you pronounce that. A lot of strings and a lot of sacks. Okay. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> you, uh, you, you chose from another favorite film of mine. And, you know, and I must admit, I, I can't recall the music, so I'll be interested in hearing this. The film I'm talking about is Usual Suspects, and the composer is John Ottoman. Uh, this is the main theme that you had chosen. Kind of talk to us a little bit about, again, how that made your list. Yeah, I was I was living in London and, you know, we were just going to a lot of films and uh, uh, I, I didn't know anything about this. And it was opening weekend, Saturday night. We went to Leicester Square and the place was sold out. It was packed. And mm -hmm. this is the only time this has ever happened. That movie played. The credits come up. N nobody moved. Nobody got up. No one rustled. And everyone just sat there, uh, you know, just transfixed with what we just experienced i mean what mm -hmm. film and again not unlike the um the cue from the born supremacy i remember thinking gosh i've i've never heard music like this you know this sounds so different i can't quite put my finger on it and i think john ottman has got a very he, i mean you immediately know it's him and i think that's the sign of a great artist so i mean this this film and this 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 music really uh, blew my mind, and it's a soundtrack that I put on uh, quite frequently. Oh, great! Well, let's uh, let's have a listen for ourselves. This is the main theme from the film *Usual Suspects*, and it's written by John Ottoman.
We'll get back to the program in a minute. But I'm curious, if you're uh, looking for a new coffee mug or T-shirt or practically anything else to help express your love of film music, well, look no further. At, uh, at redbubble.com, we have all kinds of products with our logo, the What's the Score logo, which is a film strip that features pictures of John Barry and John Williams, among other composers. It's really cool, and it does help kind of help express your love of film music. You can check it out on our Facebook page, or you can visit redbubble.com and then search for FRW007, at which point you'll see my store come up, and then you can shop all the various products. That's redbubble.com and search for FRW007, redbubble.com. Have you uh, have you ever had a chance to, uh, uh, being that you live out where you do, you ever had a chance to like attend a recording session or uh, other f- film score related type of events, whether it be concerts or things like that nature? Uh, sadly, no one has invited me, but I've had dreams of <laughs> uh, of being in the room while John Williams conducts. Um, uh, that said, you know, one of the great things about living in Southern California is there's so many incredible music venues, outdoor venues, uh, above all, um, the Hollywood bowl. And every summer I make the pilgrimage to see Mr. John Williams. And one of my favorite things to do is get a photo of me next to the awning and then send it to everyone I know saying, if you'd like to hang out tonight, I'll, I'll be playing at the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> and every year I think they get more, grow more and more tired of that joke. But uh, it will continue as long as John Williams continues. <laughs> so, so, I mean, we are spoiled. Is you know, being a film lover, film composer lover, I mean, there's just so much to do and see and hear in this city. I mean, we really are spoiled, especially in the form of all the revival cinemas. I mean, I get to see older movies on the big screen all the time Uh and I never take it for granted. Well, Uh, it seems um, to me too, that they have a lot more, um, uh, concerts around film music than any place I think in the world, maybe with the possible exception of London. But I mean, there's, mm -hmm. I'm surprised with how many live performances of uh, film music there are uh, out there. And that, that makes me jealous. I would love to go to attend some of that. Yeah, it's it's truly blessed. And there is something wonderful about hearing, I mean, especially in the Hollywood Bowl, I mean, to hear the the orchestra play these these songs that, you know, and love. And, you know, a lot of times they'll do the screening and then have the live score um, and to Mm, hear Jaws, you know, uh, to hear that live over over the, the vocal track. It's just it's on a beautiful summer night with a great bottle of wine, great company picnic. You know, I mean, are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> oh, there's nothing better. Yeah, yeah. And that's great to see that that's starting to pick up. And that, that is starting to go in different parts of the country. I've actually attended a couple where we'll show the film and the orchestra plays live to the to what's going on in the film. And that's that's absolutely fascinating um, to watch how that process works. It's just terrific. It is. Um, I, I took a first date 
to uh, they had at the Hollywood Bowl. They did a tribute to you know music from Hitchcock, and she didn't know much about it, and she just sat there transfixed, could not believe what she was hearing, and it was it was powerful. I mean, again, nobody was no one. There was no chatter. Everyone was just dialed into the music, and it was uh, quite an amazing evening all the way around. Oh, oh, okay. There must be a good story <laughs> there, but I won't get into that. Uh, this is a film music show. Um, let's see. So um, one of the other ones, I only got to update my list here. I know that we've, we've, we've heard from a composer that is contemporary and current and from a film that is basically, you know, within the last couple of years. But then we also visit someone, um, someone whose music was more from the, the golden age of Hollywood. I'm talking about uh, Bernard uh, Herman. And the film is called Vertigo, speaking of which, with uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Tell us a little bit about uh, how is it that that made it into your list of favorites? Uh, I'm, I'm a huge Hitchcock fan, and one of my favorite moments of the years is when I decide to go in, in you know, down the rabbit hole of a, of a Hitchcock uh, marathon. Um, I think, this is just my opinion, but I think the pairing of Hitchcock and Herman is the greatest, uh, uh director composer, uh, collaboration in, in the history of, of music. I think even more so than Spielberg and Williams. I mean, wow. With those two dial in, there's nothing better. And, and, and talk about identifiable. Um, I, I still stand in awe of Bernard Herman's music. And I think that vertigo probably it is, my favorite and i think it's the most beautiful movie i've ever seen it still mm. holds up so well and the music just it's i i don't i i'm at a loss for words i take my shoes off in its presence wow. you know it's that important um and i'll be honest with you frank when you were kind enough to invite me on your show this past week and i was you know, I had the Vertigo soundtrack up and was going through the cues to determine which one I could choose. I was actually cursing your name because it was so hard. <laughs> what do you mean I only get one? I can't know this one, that one. I mean, this more songs came in and out of this playlist, but ultimately I thought that the Prelude Rooftops track was the one that embodied the soundtrack overall uh, the best. So, okay. Well, let's have a listen to that, especially after all the hard work that went into it. Um, the cue is called Prelude and Rooftop. It's from the film Vertigo, and it's written by the maestro Bernard Harmon.
maybe it's a good time to bring it up because we've just heard from someone in the golden age. And of course, then we've got movie music as it exists today. I ask a lot of my guests and I'd be curious if how you feel about it. Uh, how, if at all, has uh, music for films changed and is it for better? Is it for worse? Is it, you know, it's just different. How, give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, it's, it, it's uh, quite emotional for me. I, I think, you know, the obvious answer that people give and I'm probably going to give the same answers is that it's just it's not memorable it doesn't feel as memorable it feels more like I think John Lennon called it wallpaper music <laughs> um, and uh, it just doesn't feel you know you, you I can hum Raiders of the Lost Ark but I can't I can't hum Captain America mm-hmm. um, um, but I think a lot of people have been a uh, composers even uh, have been affected by that. I mean, maybe you could hum something from The Force Awakens. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, I I could, but uh, uh, um, I can see where someone might be a little disappointed or longing for yesteryear uh, compared to what's coming out today. But I still think there's some amazing scores. I think what John Powell did with Solo was fantastic. Um, you know, a lot of the music that I have chosen here today, in my mind, is contemporary. Maybe it's not recent, but um, the good news is, is there's so much wonderful music out there. It should keep us all busy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Do you? I guess what I have found, and uh, my listeners know this, but it just seems to me like it's almost it's overused now. There's a lot of times, it seems like it's wall-to-wall music, and it, to me, it almost loses its impact when it's used too much. Does yeah. that make sense? Totally. I mean, I think design, you talk, you, you know, you look for the space that's not used, which is as as important as to what is used. And to your point, it is sort of just like being bombarded. Um, um, I'm trying to think, gosh, recent scores that I've fallen in love with that I've listened to that have taken me to the film. And I'm a little hard pressed. Um, gosh, that is a, that is a great question. Um, but uh, I think. I think there's, you know, the future is bright for for motion picture scores. You know, to your point, yeah, um, they're 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 kind of like rock stars now. Hans Zimmer, he's out there touring. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty wild. It's great. It's really it's really wonderful. But generally speaking, I think when I'm I'm putting down my money and I'm buying soundtracks, there there's nothing that's there are very few that are uh, are of today. That are hitting you uh, that way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, maybe I need to do a little bit more research. In all fairness, though, well, you know? yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and and that's why you that's why you should listen to this program because you might hear things you didn't know existed. So, exactly. Uh, exactly. Um, another film you uh, you highlighted was uh, is called The Cooler, which I'm not familiar with in the slightest. Uh, it's written by Mark Isham. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that made your list, and uh, and maybe just give us a, a brief. Uh, when was this? When was this made, and, and what's the film about? Sure, it came out in the mid 2000s, and it's a wonderful film. I encourage everyone to seek out called The Cooler with William H Macy um, and Maria Bello, and okay. it's directed by Wayne Kramer. And essentially, it's uh, you know the, the the transition from old Vegas to new Vegas, and um, William H Macy is, plays a guy whose luck is so bad that he works in one of the old style casinos that's run by the mafia, head up head by Alec Baldwin. 
And whenever someone at a table gets hot, William H. Macy goes over and he cools the table down. <laughs> That's how bad luck. But he falls in love and that changes and that does not make Alec Baldwin happy. So I watched it having just been in Vegas and explored the old Vegas. And so was looking for a movie to watch that captured that and found it, watched it. Fell in love with it, bought the movie, and there's a wonderful commentary with the director and Mark Isham, the composer oh. of the film. It's a beautiful soundtrack, and it just embodies so much about what I love about music. The strings, the lush, a throwback to the Sinatra. It's it's happy, it's melancholy, um, and um, I just – it inspired me to turn around and go back out to Vegas, and I was just driving through the desert – by myself with a great cup of coffee and I had the soundtrack on repeat <laughs> and uh, it just it, it's one that I'm happy to share because I, I'm imagining most people don't know this film or this music they might know Mark Isham's done quite a quite a bit oh, of yeah. film composing um, but this is this is my dark horse favorite okay that's good great phrase it let's uh, you got me interested let's uh, let's have a listen to this this is the main theme from a film called The Cooler and it's written by Mark Isham.
you know, purposely I've tried to stay away from the subject, but uh, I got to ask a couple of things about it. You here you are. You're a a, a co-presenter on a podcast uh, about James Bond and in particular music of James Bond. Uh, how is it that you first of all? How is it that you ever you know what? I heard how you got hooked on Escape from New York, but I haven't really heard how your love affair with James Bond started. Oh, that, you know, I think for most men, boys, that James Bond starts with some connection with your father. Mm. Um, um, uh, You know, it's the one thing, no matter how involved um, you are with your father, usually Bond is something that you can, well, bond over. And so Mm -hmm. some of my first memories with my father is James Bond. And, you know, as, as soon as I was old enough to get a paper route and make money, you know, I was buying David Bowie's Let's Dance and Escape from New York and Fear Eyes Only was one of the first uh, soundtracks, first film I saw in the theater, Bond film. Oh, okay. And just, I mean, you know, it's been a love affair ever since. Um, um, and now more than ever as an adult, um, you know, my love and passion for Bond. I mean, everyone has something, you know, I, I, Kobe passed away. I lived downtown next to the Staples Center and I saw the impact that he had on fans. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I understand that for them in the way that, you know, this, this character of Bond has impacted my life, travel, fashion, um, food, uh, uh, you know, uh, music, uh, lifestyle, it's just it's just a great fun thing. And I'll tell you what has happened is that through James Bond um, and James Bond Radio, but through James Bond, I have made some of the best friendships with people around the world. Mm. Um, it has enriched my life beyond uh, uh, any expectation that I could have ever had. Um, so I'm very I'm very thankful for Mr. Bond. <laughs> I, I concur with that. And it's a, been a similar experience for me, whether either over James Bond or John Barry, I've made some amazing friends over the years that I really, uh, really value those, those relationships. The only bad thing is, is a lot of them live so far away from me, but the magic of the internet kind of gets you connected and keeps you that way. So it's quite amazing. You also chose a cue from that is very popular with a lot of our guests. And uh, popular with me as well, and is probably probably other than John Barry, my my second favorite composer. I'm talking about the film Chinatown, and the composer is uh, is Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, a lot of people gravitate to the score, and uh, you know there's obviously a reason why. Tell us yours as to what made you include a cue from this film. It's it's. You know, I, I, I str- oh God, this is going to be up. No, Chinatown, the film is my Mona Lisa. Hmm. The way that people feel about Mona Lisa is the way I feel about Chinatown. It, I saw it, and it was the first film I ever saw that had an ending that I didn't quite understand, and it had a profound effect on my life. And I honestly think that I moved to Los Angeles because of Chinatown. Wow. And yeah, it's 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 higher art. I I I watch it often. They show it in L.A. a lot seen it in so many different under so many different conditions i get something out of it um it's 
it, you know, I say Escape from New York, and it truly is, I think, on a personal level, my favorite film. But I'd say Chinatown's my favorite film. And I have two quick stories I'll share with you. When I first sure. moved here, I mean, a couple of weeks, I went to a screening of Chinatown, and Faye Dunaway was doing a Q&A afterwards. And I hadn't been around, dare I say, celebrities ever. Mm-hmm. So after the screening was over, she did her Q&A, and she was walking outside. I thought, I was standing there, and I thought, I'm going to say something. And I looked at her, and I said, you know, Faye, you're as beautiful today as you were then. And she stopped talking to the person she was talking to. She raised her hands up to the point where I flinched. She put her hands on on both my cheeks and said, coming from such a young, handsome man. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I, I, <laughs> I, I stopped in my tracks. Everyone was looking at me because, you know, you don't normally do those sort of things here in LA. Like, that's not a cool thing to do to approach yeah. someone that way. But I thought, what the heck? And I thought, okay, Warren Beatty, Steve McQueen, Nicholson, I mean, her list of leading man, uh, Redford, Holden, yeah. and and now me have looked into her <laughs> eyes. Longingly. So that was my one story. The other story is, is on Father's Day, I went to um, see a screening of, of Dr. No at the Arrow with Goldfinger double feature, and it was packed, and I sat next to this guy, this kind of dad and his, his daughter, and we started talking at intermission. And halfway through talking to him, I realized it was Robert Town. Um, oh, okay. Screenwriter. And, you know, as you know, that screen screenplay is widely regarded as, you know, the screenplay uh, masterpiece. So uh, it was great talking Bond with Robert Town. So anyway, um, I love this film with all my heart. And um, it's, you know, it's it's had a, a profound effect on my life and and, you know, where I live and. Yeah, I, I don't have the words, I guess. Well, let's let the music do the talking for you then. Uh, again, this is going to be uh, – this is the the love theme from Chinatown uh, from the film of the same name, and it's written by the maestro Jerry Goldsmith.
Okay, so we talked a little bit about how you got into James Bond. So now I have to ask one more related question to that. I mean, here you are. You are part of the um, podcasting team for James Bond Radio that talks about the music. So, uh, you know, what gives? Why is there not a single John Barry Q that we're going to play today? I don't understand. Well, I just <laughs> felt like I just, the you know, I could talk about John Barry all day long. I really could. Uh, but as someone who loves film scores and soundtracks so much, you know, thankfully, I'm so thankful and grateful to you because this coming on your show is giving me the opportunity to talk about, for the most part, other things non-bond. I'm, I'm <laughs> to be honest with you, I've already got, I mean, I hope in, in our lifetime you'll have me back because, you know, I, I need to go back and there's so many composers and so much music I'd like to, you know, uh, talk more about. So I, I'm, I'm already going to start pitching for, you know, a, 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 a reappearance or, you know, to come back on the show several years from now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, I don't think we'll even have to wait that long. Uh, you okay, and, a, okay. and a couple of others have expressed that oh, interest and man. I'm, I'm more than happy to to uh, to do it because I, you, you know you're you're introducing me to a lot of uh, music that I you know hadn't been exposed to before so I, I certainly understand and yeah it's probably nice to be able to branch out and you know you have other passions uh, other than just James Bond and John Barry so this gives you a chance to express those passions as well I I certainly understand that yeah um but what would be your favorite J- John Barry score then you know it's always been Thunderball. I've always, that's oh, been that, that's, the that's one. That's up on mine too. Yeah, I've always loved that one. But believe it or not, and this is this might come a bit of a shock, but in the last three weeks or so, I cannot stop listening to Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> There's something about that score. He's so, like, over the hill on as far as, like, I mean, he's he's proven himself. He has nothing left to prove after Majesties. And he's so relaxed and confident in that score. And I just cannot, I, I literally had to peel myself away. Actually, prepping for this show helped me, um, you know, put down the Diamonds Are Forever soundtrack. I just, <laughs> I cannot. And I think there's something about with what we're going through at the moment. There's something very fun and playful um, um, about that particular score and that film, to be quite honest with you. Well, you know, um, and it's, isn't it nice? I mean, it, what a godsend it was that they finally, you know, released a lot of that music that wasn't on the, because the original album, quite frankly, stunk. Yeah, exactly. Mostly source music and stuff, but, you know, now we've got all the other great stuff that he had done and uh, recorded for that. Absolutely. Those expanded editions that came out, I think, in like 2001, um, I mean, I just, I, I still pinch myself that we have them. Yeah, you know, it's like wh- how lucky are we um, to to have all the remaining tracks? A couple of yeah. Thunderball and, and Diamonds, yeah, those really are loaded with oh yeah tons of music. In fact, I was really surprised how much was. I don't know what the actual time was, but it was it was quite amazing to find out it was like I don't know 90 minutes or 100 minutes because Barry was usually pretty economical with his music, but uh, mm. not in the case of those. It's quite amazing. Absolutely. Um. Another one who would make my list of, of favorites, not real high up there, but but you know on the list no doubt. Uh, we're talking about the extremely popular and very prolific John Williams, who uh, and he made your list for a, a cue from The Empire Strikes Back. A lot of people think that's the best of the Star Wars films. I know I've heard that. The cue is across across the stars. I think is what you had uh, had chosen. 
and certainly not surprised that John Williams would make your list, given the fact of that you, you know, I don't know. I guess you were named after him, or he was named after you. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, tell tell us what's the uh, what you're thinking and wanting to include that on your list of favorites today. Absolutely. Actually, I, I got to correct you just a little bit there. It's actually from episode two, Attack of the Clones. Oh, excuse me. Uh, I'm sorry. No, okay. no, no, no worries. And I and I purposely stayed away from Empire, um, and I purposely chose something from the prequel because like most of us who were you know first generation fanboy we had a bit of a reaction knee-jerk reaction to the prequels oh yeah um and we didn't care for them well i started listening to uh david w collins who also has a soundtrack podcast he was on a show called rebel force radio and his enthusiasm for these the soundtracks to the prequels was infectious and I bought them and I listened to them and then I went back and I rewatched the films and I was able to enjoy the films via the music. And I have to say that um, those three soundtracks, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, are some of the finest work that Williams has ever done. They wow. are epic. Um, really amazing. So if there's any part of you that is curious to go back and revisit those prequels listen to the soundtracks hmm. uh, I, I, the music is as good as anything he ever did and this one attack of the clones is just excuse me across the stars from attack of the clones is just as beautiful sweeping gorgeous emotional heartbreaking uh, as, uh, of any piece of music I've <laughs> ever heard. So again, I'm trying to pick things that probably weren't, you know, the obvious choices, um, right. you know, um, by uh, picking something from episode two, which I'm not sure many people probably have done. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good point. And I, and I just remembered, I forgot where it was. I saw it, but I, I think I saw someone to put up side by side, behind the scenes look of recording uh episode four uh you know john williams when he was conducting that score and then side by side on the other screen was uh, star wars nine i guess and him conducting that score in a 40 year span that's that's quite phenomenal when you think about that same man worked on all those movies and came up with some incredible music for those nine films it's uh quite an accomplishment stunning i mean i'm exhausted just listening to him in a row this you know like <laughs> i can't imagine composing them he, he i mean he just did it again this is this is incredible this yeah. man i mean what he's given us and i could hear him i could hear him talk all day whenever you watch some of the bonus uh you know uh segments on the blu-rays or whatnot right. i mean he's just uh, one of the coolest cats ever to walk the face of planet earth you know <laughs> Well, let's have a listen. This is, a, again, a cue from the film Attack of the Clones. Uh, it's called Across the Stars, and it's written by the maestro, the one and only John Williams.
you know, we, we kind of got veered off a little bit on, uh, on talking more about you and, and, uh, and your life. I'm curious what you had mentioned earlier that you have, have a real passion for real estate. So, um, how did, how did you get involved in that? Cause that's not about create, or maybe it is about creativity, but how did you get into, into real estate to begin with? Well, I, I have some family back, uh, back East, you know, real estate's always been around and I've always been involved in it in some capacity, whether it's, you know, working for property management companies. Um, it was one of those things that like, you know, my father and grandfather were involved in and I, I just refused to do it. <laughs> um, and then finally, uh, uh, after, you know, trying to figure out what was next, um, looking for something, I, I, my father, you know, basically said, just do it, get your license, go get a job, sell real estate for one year. And at the end of that year, if your life's not better, um, you, you know, you get to tell the old man he was wrong. And one year to the day out of 400 agents, uh, I was picking up, uh, a rookie of the year award. Wow. And I think it was just coming at it older. You know, the idea of building relationships with people uh, that you want to maintain over the course of your and their lifetime, to me, is really what real estate's about. You've got to love the process of it. Mm. And I love being involved with people and keeping them in my life, staying in front of them. I mean, it's, listen, it's all referral based, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's the majority of it. So I really just got older and, you know, the way that I interacted with people, my priorities, and and it just all sort of collided. Um, you know, and Los Angeles is super competitive as it is, and it is. I mean, I think there's a half a million licensed realtors in the state. Holy smokes. Yeah. Um, it, it just, I just fell in love with it. And it, it, don't get me wrong. I mean, when it, like most things, when it works, it's great. It's very rewarding financially speaking. It can be if you, you know, work very hard, but I love the relationship side of it. Um, and so, you know, I just, I, uh, I'm more than happy to put in 12 hours, you know, oh, you guys mm-hmm. are going to the beach. I'm going to go hold open house. Like that was a shift in my priorities. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, it just kind of came later in life and something that, um, I just fell in love with it. And you meet, you meet all kinds of people. You get to see how people live. You get to observe people. Um, and for the most part, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> what's, I, I, I gotta ask, and you, you, you can decline if you want to, but what's the most expensive piece of real estate that you've sold in your career so far? I, I sold a condo that was 4.3 million. Holy smokes. Yeah. It's amazing. Wow. Uh, that is. Yeah. A condo it, too. That's interesting. That it, it is. It is. It's, it was a penthouse of, of a building downtown. And, you know, for me, I, a lot of people chase numbers like realtors and their goals are numbers as far as uh, financially speaking. But for me, it's, it's about, you know, the amount of deals I can do. And I enjoy the first time buyer at you know, 300,000, which is almost non-existent in this county. Um, uh, and someone who's over 4 million. I mean, it's the same approach, you know, um, I, I don't prefer one over the other. Honestly, the first time buyer at the lower price point probably is more work. Um, but I love walking people through the process. 
Um, it's very emotional and it's very important. And historically speaking, there's no greater return on your investment in this country than real estate. Right. Um, so Remind me it, after we get on, we finish the show, I'll tell you a story <laughs> about that. Okay. Uh, but, um, I know. Listen, as long as you're not, you don't have to sell, you'll be all right. The moment you have to sell, you're in trouble. Yeah, uh, that's, that's you true. Know? Um, that's that's so, been my experience. Yeah, well, the, yeah. Uh, I, I, I say for last because it's kind of interesting. <clears throat> you mentioned Hans Zimmer, who uh, of course is uh, has written and composed the score for the the new James Bond film that's going to be coming out. Uh, you did, however, pick a, a a cue that he had a part in uh, called "Tears in the Rain," and, and he wrote this, I guess, with a, a Benjamin Wallfish. Is that how it's pronounced? I guess. I think so. That's how I prefer pronounce it as well yeah. what, what film is this from this is uh the sequel to blade runner blade runner 2049 ah okay and uh, you know right behind chinatown as far as films that have uh you know like like a magnet brought me to los angeles blade runners right there with it tremendous impact visually you know sonically this film had Ridley Scott, Vangelis, and I, I didn't know whether it was the right or wrong thing to do to 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 include or leave out the Vangelis version. I mean, we could do a whole show about Vangelis, right? Yeah. Um, but this this particular piece of music is absolutely stunning. Um, I, I really love the version that Hans Zimmer did. I wanted to do something contemporary. I did want to do something Bond related. But last year, I was leaving a friend's house and walking through the streets of downtown Los Angeles where the film takes place. And it dawned on me at night, looking up at the half-finished buildings and the neon light, that it was November 2019. (laughs) And had you told a young North Carolina boy sitting in his grandparents' basement watching a beat-up Betamax cassette version of Blade Runner on a really old TV that all these years later in 2029, you'd be walking by the million dollar theater in downtown Los Angeles where you live. Um, uh, I would have never believed it. And I'm not ashamed to admit this, that in that moment, uh, a few months back, back at the end of last year, when I was walking through the city and this song came on, uh, uh, I kind of stopped, looked around and I wept. Wow, I, uh, I was so emotional. It, it this piece of music brought me to tears, um, you know, and that to me is the humanity that that music can bring out of people, you know, and it, you know, and, and equally it can it can bring people together. So for me, um, you know, this it's a great, it's just a great beautiful piece of music. Well, let's let's have a listen to this. This is from the film Blade Runner 2049. It's called Tears in the Rain, uh, and it's written by Hans Zimmer and Benjamin Wallfish.
So what's in the uh, what's in the future for you, John? Do you have uh, any interesting things in the pipeline that uh, maybe our listeners might be interested in? Well, you know, we're uh, as always, James Bond Radio will con- you know continue um, a return. I say this is the right way I should say it. Um, <laughs> so really excited about th- this new Bond film. Um, you know, we're living in a time now where you know we've got to you know. T- handle this this virus and we need to take care of those who've been affected by it and then we need to get back to celebrating life on behalf of those who 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 can no longer do that and i cannot wait to sit in a cinema surrounded by people not wearing a mask (laughs) and just experience the sight and sound of the movie going experience um I cannot wait for this new film and I can't wait to, you know, this new bond film and to meet all the, um, you know, all my, my bond nut friends that I've made. Um, it's going to be such a joyous occasion and not lost on, on any of us, you know, the, how blessed we are, are to see this. And I cannot wait to hear what Hans Zimmer does with this, with this score. So there's a lot to look forward to, so, you know, that's what for me is happening next is is to, you know, jump these hurdles that are thrown at us every day, um, listen, um, be understanding of whatever perspective people might have and, you know, band together as, as a human race and, and just, you know, keep living. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting times that we live in for, you know, those of you that are listening, we're we're recording this when we're still kind of in the middle of the, the lockdown, although it is starting to. Uh, relive or release a little bit, but uh, yeah, it's very interesting times we live in. Um, John, look, I cannot thank you enough um, for taking the time to be with us today and all the work you did in putting the program together. I, I sincerely appreciate it. I I had a great time. I hope you did as well. I did. Frank. this is so much fun. This is a dream come true. I've, I've in my head, been able to do what we did here today for years, you know, and (laughs) to be, to talk about and to share music that I'm passionate about, um, with, with you and your audience. It's, it's really wonderful. So from the bottom of my heart, uh, thank you so much for, you know, letting me come on the show, having me on the show. And this is, this has been a real treat and thrill. So thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure. And we, you know, don't worry, we will have you back. I don't know. Excellent. We will have you back. Excellent. I'm going to start making that playlist. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Well, folks, uh, that's going to wrap it up for us today. Um, My thanks to all the patrons that we've been able to get on patreon.com. I'll remind you to look that up if you could, please, and support the program if you're so inclined. Uh, And with that, there's only one thing left to say, and that's simply this. My name is Frank R. Wilson. My time's up. I thank you for yours. Thanks for listening to What's the Score?